Welcome to Front Porch Confessional, your weekly Devo podcast. My name is Jeff Goki, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode number four. I hope that you are having an amazing day today or night or afternoon or wherever you are. I hope it's awesome. I hope you're having uh, a great time wherever you're at. So excited that you're, you're tuning in to season two and some of the things that we're working through and thinking through. But um, my uh, family and I uh, this weekend got the opportunity to, to go up to the Big Bear Mountains. And I'm speaking at a camp up here. I've been speaking at camp, I don't know, for maybe the last 20 years. It's something that we've gotten to travel all over the place and speak at a lot of really cool places. But this is kind of cool. Just up here, it's snowing, like the, the there's snow and um, it's quiet, it's kind of tranquil. Uh, the air, I mean, the air quality is like amazing. So I don't know, just the whole scene up here is just really, really beautiful. And so our family's had just a really great time of just slowing down, um, playing some board games, talking to each other, just having a really, really great time. And um, this passage that we're going to talk to uh, talk through uh, today uh, has been a passage that I've had on my list. And the reason why is it keeps coming up for me. It keeps coming up in different conversations. It keeps coming up in my mind. And, and as I thought about this passage, I, I couldn't help but uh, think of Cooper when he was diagnosed uh, with leukemia. I think I, uh, I've talked a lot about this, but um, when he was 80, he got diagnosed with leukemia. And uh, one of the things that uh, I started to do is started to kind of go in and think about um, how did this come to be with leukemia? How did it come to a place of a cure? Uh, you know, how do we how you know, the, the success rate for people with leukemia is pretty high. It's in the 90s. So it's actually become one of those uh, cancers that they have a pretty high success rate of of curing. And so I uh, went and found out this man's story, Dr. Feinreich, and uh, learned a little bit about what he went through and what the kids went through. And it was a really horrific beautiful story. And that paradox is exactly what that journey was. And what I learned as I went and did some research and found out is that a lot of kids, a lot of kids lost their lives, uh, painfully, tragically lost their lives uh, in the process of them finding a cure to, 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 to eradicate or to the best of their ability, eradicate leukemia. And I remember just sitting and I remember looking at Cooper and thinking, oh my gosh, like you literally are standing on the backs of kids who have suffered in order that you may have life. And that for me gave this really overwhelming thought of our lives. Like we literally, literally stand on the back of Jesus's death and his resurrection, and we now get to live out this life as a result of that, that we now know what grace is. We know what sacrifice this is, that someone paid the price for us to have eternal life. And so this passage in Mark, and if you know about Mark, Mark's gospel is succinct. He kind of moves through his gospel very succinctly, trying to help us come to uh, the crucifixion at which we see this 
great sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And, and in Mark 8, uh, verses 34 uh, through 35, the, uh, the disciples have just come to this understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. And we're kind of working through that. And Jesus is unpacking that for them. And Jesus says in verse 34, this, and calling and, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And if you continue on in that passage, it's really beautiful. And, and that's a part of this podcast is encouraging you to go read the context, go read uh, what happens before and after. But this particular passage and where we're focusing in on is this idea that uh, he is calling us to take up our cross and to follow him, to essentially follow in his footsteps. And, and then he says to, in essence, listen, if you love your life, if you love your life uh, that much that you're not willing to lose it for the gospel, then, then you've, you've lost it all. There is this beautiful abandonment in following after Jesus. But here's what I, I'd like to say that I, I think is so important, and, and, and it's this. Uh, following Jesus is not easy. Let me say that again. It's so important that you hear it. Following Jesus is not easy. Easy. I feel like as a kid, I was pitched a line and potentially pitched a lie. It's not that they intentionally lied to me. It's that a philosophy or a theology was given to me that was incorrect. And it essentially had something to do with like, follow Jesus and blessing will ensue. And in some ways that's true, but it didn't have, I didn't have the maturity to see what that meant. See, in my mind, my infinite, uh, my infant mind, uh, as a believer, I believed, hey, listen, if I follow Jesus, if I read my Bible, if I pray every day, if I go to Christian school, if I go do mission trips, if I go serve, if I'm generous towards my church, if I listen to Christian radio, if I talk to my friends about Christian things, then I've got it. Then I've arrived. Look, I am le- taking up my cross. I am following Jesus. But in reality, um, I was looking for a kickback. I was looking for a, a blessing, something more. And, and what I realized is I lost myself in that. And in many ways, I lost my faith in that. Because if I'm honest, Jesus became kind of disappointing for me. Because I kept doing all this stuff and all this stuff and all this stuff and thought it was about sacrifice, but it wasn't. It was about what can I get in return. Really, it's, um, if you've read the story of the prodigal son, it's the older son. You see, the older son is like all these years, he says to the father, when the, the prodigal son returns, all these years I've served you all these years I've done these things and you haven't even thrown me a single party, even a goat for me and my friends, he says, right? What he's saying in essentially is look how good I've been. Look at all the good stuff I've done for you. Where's my party? 
And what I realize is that's a false sense of blessing. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about really having life. This is a very paradoxical statement. You're going to have life, but you got to give up your life, right? See, we have this false sense of blessing and the, the false sense of blessing equals this. Well, if I believe, if I have faith, then he'll bless me and he'll, he'll make me prosperous, right? I'll, I'll be prosperous. If I serve God, if I lay down on my cross and I follow him, that I should have some form of prosperity. In fact, there's whole movements, gospel movements that are church movements. They call them gospel movements called the prosperity gospel. And, and in my opinion, and I love the church as a whole, Big C church as a whole. I think the prosperity gospel is toxic. I really do. Because it's a idea of false blessing. I do for you, Jesus. You do for me. Answered prayers. It's another part of it. Right? If I do a bunch of stuff for you, you, you are kind of obligated. You know, you're God and I'm not. But, you know, you're going to answer my prayers. Right? You're going to do what I, I need. Right? You know, we, we, we think we're promised safety. Like if, if I go in and I do something dangerous that, that God somehow is obligated to keep us safe, healthy, that somehow God is obligated to keep us healthy. And so I kind of grew up kind of with this thinking and I didn't realize that it's not like they sat down and they talked me through all these things. I just developed it on my own and I used the mantra, I'm a good kid doing good stuff. And then my mom left when I was 12. And I had this what the heck moment, you know, what I'm talking about like, whoa, wait a second, I've been doing all the right stuff. Don't you mess with me? Don't you allow that stuff to happen? And I don't ever remember being mad at God. I just remember going something's changed. Something shifted. And I think what shifted in me in a very positive way is a is a understanding of what real blessing was. And real blessing is this. It equals death to self to gain Christ. That means it's not about me. That's where Paul goes. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Think about that. Nevertheless, I live. But Christ who lives in me, I need to go away. You know, in one of the other podcasts, I can't remember what episode it says. I must decrease, Paul says, so Christ can increase. I must decrease. That's where real blessing begins to happen. That's where you feel peace and joy and love and all these amazing things, right? Security in relationship with the father. This is real blessing is when I believe that he loves me and he cares about me and he sees me. That's real blessing. That is what happens when I truly lay down my cross, when I truly lay down my life. That sacrifice is not wasted. Like when I go through something difficult, like when he chooses to go, when I choose to make a decision to fall after him and it, and it really is hard and sacrificial, it's not wasted, right? N- wasted based upon a desired outcome, meaning it, it didn't go the way I thought it would be. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it's always going the right way. If you're following Jesus. Because if he's called you into it, then you leave the outcome to him. And it might not be the the outcome you desired, but if it's his outcome, it's what you want, even if it's hard. Because in the midst of that, you find what real blessing is. It's joy and pain. Isn't that mind-blowing? 
This is what Jesus is trying to help the disciples and those who are around him understand that there can be joy in pain. There can be peace in chaos. And we could continue on and on and on about what a real biblical worldview looks like in the kingdom of God. And it's about your will, your plan going away and taking on the plan that God has for you. But if you love your life and you love your plan more than following after him, you are truly losing your life. So where are you at on that? Like right now, if you're like, whoa, I got some stuff in my life I'm trying to control. I got some stuff I'm trying to micromanage. I have actually created a false theology of blessing. Because I thought after falling after Jesus and doing all these good things, these right things, that I would get some. I get some my way. And it's like, no, and maybe that's why you're so stressed and so anxious. I think this generation is the most anxious generation of all times. And I think it's because they're clinging. We're clinging to our lives. And he's like, let go. Let go. Jesus offers us an option. What do you want? Do you really want me? Do you really want me? Because here's what's happening in this passage is disciples are like, yeah, we want you. We want you, Jesus, because you're going to reestablish the people of Israel and you're going to destroy the Romans. You're going to be the conqueror. Yeah, we want you. And he's like, you got to lay that down. If that's your perception of me, you're really going to struggle with the next part of this story where I die. Right. And Peter's like, Peter's like struggling with that. Hey, don't, don't go talking to people about that. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because the disciples have this false sense of what it means to follow after Jesus. And Jesus is trying to help them truly understand what that is. So they were saying in an essence, yeah, we believe in the Messiah as long as it works out to our benefit. And what Jesus says to them, which I love is I'm going to die. And you will need to do that as well. Maybe not physically. I mean, physically, we will all die at some point. I hope that's not a surprise for you. But at some point, we all will pass away. But what he is saying is there is a spiritual death, a spiritual release that says it's about your plan and your will for my life, not my own. So maybe the reason why following Jesus has been so hard for so many of us is because we really aren't following Jesus. We may be just following the American dream. We may be just following a false theology of blessing instead of really taking up our cross and following Jesus and laying down our lives so we can find life. You see, following Jesus has more to do with what you give and give up than what you get. You see, the get part is such an earthly thing. But if we look at it in the mindset of eternity, I'll lay down my life all day long. Like, I hope you're in the same place. I'll lay it down for the glory of God and his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So do we really want this life more than we want Jesus? Do we really want everything out of this life more than we want Jesus? I hope the answer is we want Jesus more and he will pave the way for us. He will tell us. Go back to episode uh, number one. 
where we talk about Ecclesiastes 7.13 and how that works out. We want his path, his way. It might look crooked, it might look funky compared to our uh, Western human minds, but his way is the right way. So may you lead us, Heavenly Father, to the heart of sacrifice in order to truly find you. So take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is nearer to you than your own heart. Till next time.